Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Jesus many of you have heard my story how I was supernaturally saved when Jesus came into my room and just was there in the corner of a room the face of Jesus Christ came into my world when I needed him the most when I was at the lowest of the low when I was crying out is there a God Does anyone care? Is there love in this world? The King of kings and the Lord of lords and the mighty God came into a hotel room in Singapore and smiled down upon a little girl that was crying out for truth. And when you look into those eyes, when you look into the eyes that pierce through It's like standing in front of an x-ray machine. It's like everything that you are is laid bare and transparent before the one that sees through and beyond and in, the one that sees your beginning, the one that sees your middle, and the one that sees your end. When those eyes look at you and they pierce right through inside of you, it's like you become so transparent, there's nothing to hide, there's nowhere to hide, and you don't want to hide. Because they're not eyes that make you want to hide anything. Because his eyes look through, and his eyes look deep, and his eyes look in, and his eyes look past the stuff, and he sees and he finds you. He's looking for you. He went to the cross. Jesus Christ hung on a cross. And I'm sure that as he hung there, as the the sin of the whole world was placed upon him, and his father had to turn away from him, and he said, "My, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why do you look away? And God couldn't even look on his own son because the sin of the whole world was being placed upon him at that very moment. At that moment, Jesus was totally alone on that cross, totally bearing the sins of the whole world. But it wasn't just like a big mass, I believe, that was just dumped on him. I believe that he saw every face, that he saw every soul, that he saw every life that it was supernaturally passed before him. And he knew that every drop of blood, every, every, every piece of suffering that he had been through was not just for a mass, but it was for the one. It was so that he could look into you and that he could bring his redeeming blood, the redemption of his sacrifice, he could bring it and he could invest it, deposit it into lives and set them free and bring them into wholeness. Wow. And when we sing a song like that, like strip everything away, 
to all I see is you. That's, that's just, that's the cry of my heart. Since the time that I saw him, it's 50, uh, how many years ago now? I'm 55, take away 21. <laughs> how many is that? 34 years. <laughs> 34 years. And yet the cry of my heart for the last 34 years, every day of my life, has been strip everything away till all I see is you. Strip it all away. And, and the cry of my heart as a minister, as a pastor, as a, a woman of God, as a friend, as one who does life with you, as, as a family member, the cry of my heart is that your cry would be the same as my cry. Strip everything away till all I see is you. Undo the veils. Remove, remove the veils. Remove anything. God, remove anything that separates me. You know, you, he has paid such a price. He has paid the price for our complete detoxification of sin. This is going to be an amazing, an amazing four weeks. For the next four weeks, we're going to talk about soul detox. I, I've just finished, well, the first part. I want to, I want to do a series of 40-day detoxes body detoxes. And so I just did 40 days of 200 calories a day. But before you start this detox, you have to eliminate every chemical that's in your life. So like my washing detergents, my you know laundry detergents, the soap that I use, the shampoo, the my my face makeups, the perfume, like no perfumes, no no nothing. Just not that I didn't wash. I used soap that didn't have chemicals. It's all right. Just relax. And, and I had to do that for a month. Just get rid of all the chemicals in my life, in my house, around my life. And then I had to go into 40 days of getting all those chemicals out of my body. And it was, a, it was an interesting journey. It was an incredible journey. And you know what? I'm going to do it again because it just felt so good. It just felt amazing. And I feel like I'm, you know, 20 years younger and I've got energy and I'm, you know, I just feel great. It was so good for my body. And you know, the thing is that I'm not just a body though. I'm not just a body. Like I can, Christine Paul will tell you this, how hard did you work on your body? You know, like, so hard on your body that you lost sight of your soul and you, you know, you just lost sight of God for a time because she was just so, so, working so hard on her body. You know, we're not just a body. Yes, it's important to be fit and it's important to be healthy and I want to live a long life and I want to do the ministry for a long time, but, but to do the ministry and live a long life, it's got to involve more than my body. And we need to understand this. So I just want to lay a foundation tonight. Is that okay? I want to lay a foundation for this message and then we're, we're going to go into uh, what I hope would be an incredible four weeks uh, in God. In 3 John 1 
chapter 2, this is in the New King James Version. It says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. That's what I'm trying to do. But then it says, just as your soul prospers. Amen. The thing is that we have to understand that we are made in the image of God. And it says in Genesis here, I'll read it out, in Genesis 1, 26, 27, it says, Then God said, let us, it didn't say let me, it said let us, because God is what? God is a three-part being. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then it says, Then God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. See, just as God is a three-part being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are made in his image and we are also three-part beings. Look at this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. This is in the NASB version. Now may God, the God of peace himself, sanctify you entirely and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see Paul proclaiming that we are three-part beings, that we are spirit, that we are soul, and that we are body. When we were separated from God, we were two-part beings. Our spirit within us died when we separated, when we sinned, when we were separated from God, and we became two-part beings. Most people on the earth live as two-part beings. They live in a body, and they live out of a soul. And their spirit is like a a little flame inside of them. When we're born again, the spirit within us that was separated from God, that that died within us when we sinned, actually becomes alive inside of us. That's why it is called being born again. Our spirit that had died comes to life, and now we become three-part beings again. Then we become spirit soul and body. That's why we say in the scriptures where it says, be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. So where we've been two-part beings before we were Christians, before we had that born-again conversion, we'd learned to live out of a realm that is, that is a soulish realm or out of our body, our body and our soul our body and our soul. But when we become born again, we have to learn a new way. We have to learn how to live out of our spirit first. And our spirit has to be on top. Our soul has to be in the middle. And our body has to be on the bottom in submission that way. Our spirit Rules should rule with Christ. It should be seated on a throne in our lives, in our being. 
and our spirit should be ruling the, the roost, so to speak. Then our soul comes under submission to our spirit. Then our body comes under submission to our spirit and soul. That's how it's supposed to work. Another verse that describes the separation between soul and spirit is in Hebrews 4.12. And it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. We see in this passage of Scripture that the soul and the spirit can be divided clearly divided into two separate things. And it is the word of God that pisses our heart to bring the division of the soul and the spirit, something that God can only do. Amen? So as human beings, this is how best to describe it, we live eternally as a spirit. That's the eternal part of us is the spirit within us, our own spirit is eternal. We live eternally as a spirit, we have a soul, and we dwell in a body. Your body is basically an earth suit. It's just what you need in the environment of earth. If you went to the moon, you would need a space suit so that you'd be able to live in the environment of the moon, in that environment. You can't breathe on the moon, so you'd have to have like a helmet and breathing apparatus. You'd have to have a suit to protect you from the elements. So the same thing here. We are on earth, and our body is merely a suit, an earth suit, that helps us live in the environment that we live in while we're on the earth. But who knows that when we pass from this life, that we, we do not take our earth suit with us. That's why we, we have coffins at funerals. The earth suit is discarded and left in there. It's just like you peel it off, you unzip it, peel it off, and thank you very much, and you go on. And as Christians, we know that our spirit within us rises in resurrection out of that earth suit and goes on to eternal life. It doesn't mean that you're a floaty, see-through, weird sort of thing. You know, you're given a new body. You know, you are who you are. You will recognize each other. But your, your spirit within you is your spirit being the eternal part of you. Amen? Do you understand that? I know a lot of you would know this, but it's good to lay a solid foundation so that we can understand where we're going. So our spirit within us, so we know that our body is our earth suit, all right? Our soul, I'll explain that in a minute. And our spirit within us is the eternal part of us that is connected to God. Now, the moment that you are born again, the moment that you say, and it may seem like an ordinary prayer, Lord Jesus, I give you in my heart. I surrender my life to you. I ask you that you'll forgive me of all my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Come and live in me. It's the minute, the second, the nanosecond that you say that, 
your spirit comes alive inside of you and your spirit then is completely perfect before God forever. Completely. There is nothing you can do to make your spirit worse or better. That's grace. That's the incredible act of grace that Jesus paid the price for you, that your spirit could come into communion with God. When you stand before God in worship, God does not see your sin because you are worshiping with your spirit. And your spirit does not sin. It cannot. It is the part of you that is eternal like God. It's perfect, 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 perfect. Jesus Christ paid the price for you to have a perfect spirit. Do you know this? Dr. Caroline Leaf, who we just went and saw, and I've got so much to share, you know, along what she was teaching us. Incredible, absolutely incredible. She's a scientist and she's a neurologist. And she's done all these studies on how Christianity and the world, how our brains are different and how our brains change and are healed and restored as we worship God, as we, as, we, as we live out of our spirit, man, as we read the Word of God, that it literally changes the wiring of our brains chemically. It cha- we changed. And they, they did this study of, I think it was 270, I forget the number exactly, but it was about 270 Buddhist monks. And these Buddhist monks who had spent, it takes them 20 years to get to this level of perfection of meditation. So for 20 years, they work on meditation. They meditate on an object, any object, but it has to only be one object. So it could be this pulpit. I'm just going to meditate on that object until I can get my brain. And what she says, meditation, what it does, it gets you to a place of a higher level in your brain where actually you actually go into a place where you're almost out-of-body experience because meditation makes the, the functioning parts of your brain shut down and it's just it's, it's really the, the only parts of your brain that are functioning at that time is sort of this gives you this out-of-body experience sort of thing, so a higher level. So that's what the monks were working towards and they would take up to 20 years to perfect this level of meditation. Now, all these monks, the 270, had perfected their 20 years in meditation. And so they wanted to do a scientific study on their brains, what happened to their brains after 20 years of perfecting this, what happened to their brains while they were meditating. But at the same time, they gathered together a bunch of nuns who in their meditation worshipped, read the Word of God and quoted scriptures. These nuns had not spent 20 years. Some of them were brand new into doing this, but they just wanted to see the difference. When they tested them out, they found that the highest level of brain activity into that realm of the highest highest performance your brain can go to was was achieved by the nuns, and, and and the monks were nowhere near it because they were they were meditating on an object. 
where these people were meditating on the Word of God and in worship. She actually said, this is incredible, that actually changes your brain when you worship God and read the, read the Word, that it renews you. It's incredible. And she said this, she said this. And I thought this was absolutely fascinating. She said that in our normal lives as we go about lives, we all have a heart that beats, is that right? Our heart beats. And all our hearts beat at different rhythms and different times. Um, some of us may have a heart that, you know, skips a bit. I know Katrina's does. Katrina has a, an irregular heart that just skips every now and again. I, my heart skips every now and again. That's just menopause. <laughs> but, you know, our hearts all do different, different things. But they, they, again, they scientifically have proven through monitoring people and wiring people up, I guess, that when people corporately worship God, that every heart in that room comes into the same rhythm. Exactly the same rhythm. See, when we, when we worship the Creator, creation comes into order. Creation comes into unity. Things start to t- come into place that were supposed to be in place. When we worship God, our inner beings start to come into alignment. When we read His Word, our inner beings start to come into alignment. It's amazing. And it's not just, you know, an airy-fairy, you know, spiritual thing we're talking about. It's, it's actually scientific fact that it happens. It actually happens. You know, Karen Leaf, Karen Leaf um, found this out because um, as a neurologist and a scientist, her first study was on people who had actually been either brain damaged or brain dead or were vegetables uh, through accidents and different things like this. And she actually began to study, is there a way that we can make this brain live again? And she found through the Word of God, through prayer, through, you know, uh, actually changing, renewing the, the mind through positive input through the Word of God and prayer, that brain, the brain actually started to rewire itself. And she saw healing come to brain damage, really brain damaged people. And then she started to study that. And then she started to talk to her peers and so forth. Now she travels the earth trying to prove her facts. She says that mentally ill people, people that are mentally ill, she says that, that, that they shouldn't have to go on medication, that there is actually a way that you can actually rewire the brain, that you can detoxify your brain in a 21-day detox and begin to get rid of your, your, your negative thought patterns and, and exchange them from godly thought patterns because most mental illness comes from toxic brain. <sighs> amazing. It's amazing. I'm going to get the book. Wow. So, so we're three-part beings. Our spirit is the eternal part of us that is just perfect before God. We know that our body is our earth suit that we need to get around. And then we, then we have a soul. Now, our soul within us is the part of us that needs sanctification, the word called sanctification. Our spirit is perfect before God. 
You understand that? Just say, turn to somebody right now and say, my spirit is perfect before God. Look at them in the eye and say it. Look at someone in the eye and say it. My spirit is perfect before God. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? There's no condemnation. See, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is talking about your spirit. That's your spirit, man. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What did I just tell you? Your spirit came alive. Hello, the new is here and my spirit is alive and I'm born again and, I'm, I, and I should be living out of my spirit, man. I remember when I first came into the, the church and I'd had this encounter with Jesus Christ. I felt like he had x-ray visioned me and looked into my very being. I felt that he saw everything inside of me. And then I came into the church and it was like everybody walked around with big black Bibles and everybody was perfect. Everybody just was perfect. Everybody said, hallelujah, amen. Everybody lifted up their hands at the right time. They were, all looked so squeaky clean. And they all said that, you know, they prayed such loud prayers. And they, they, just, they were just perfect. And then I came in and I'd been born again. And I'd seen Jesus and I'd had an experience. And I believed that I was born again, but I didn't feel so perfect. And then when I looked around, everybody was perfect. And then I'd go up to someone and I'd say, you know, I'd go, you know, I, I, it's just, I'm just it's so glad that I'm born again. It's just so beautiful. But I still have these thoughts, you know. I have, like, like rejection is just so strong in my head. You know, I come to this building and I feel like everyone's talking about me and they don't like me. And, you know, what is that? You know, shouldn't have that have gone away by now? And then someone would quote the scripture to me, Behold! Behold, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And they would stand on the word, young lady, stand on the word. And, you know, that was fantastic. But there was a part of me that wasn't being addressed. My spirit was brand new. And I knew it. I knew when I looked into his eyes that there was complete and utter forgiveness for me. I knew that I was born again beyond a shadow of a doubt. But, you know, I, I realized that there was a part of me, that, there, that I had a soul realm that needed sanctification. No one was recognizing. No one would talk about it. No one would be real with me. Everyone just carried big black Bibles and said, hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. And I'm going, yeah, but I don't feel so hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord on the inside. And I want to talk to someone about this. Like, what, is there something See, I needed a soul detox, but no one knew how to give me one or no one knew how to teach me how to get one myself. And I'm struggling. So I go home and I, I, I just write scriptures on the bottom of my feet, on the bottom of my feet so I could walk around on the Word. And then, I, then I posted them all over my fridge and I put them in my bedroom and I wrote them on my mirrors he telling you, I did. I wrote them literally on my skin, on my feet. So I just walk around. I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come, you know. And, you know, and, and these thoughts would still plague me, you know, of rejection. You know, because there was, there, was some, there was something within me 
that needed sanctification. Yes, I was born again. So when we talk about our soul, our soul is the part of us that needs detoxing or sanctification. That's the scriptural word for it. Just like I'd accumulated toxins in my body through using chemicals and eating funny foods and all that kind of stuff, I'd accumulated toxins which were now killing my body and making me ill. In the same way, I had accumulated toxins in my soul and still do, by the way, through daily living that needed to be detoxed and that regularly need to be detoxed within my soul. And so the Greek word for sanctification is the same word for holy. To sanctify something is to set it apart for holy use. That's why the scriptures tell us, may every part of you, may soul, body, spirit be sanctified. May every part of you. You know, David prayed this prayer. You know, it's this, it's, it's, it says, let everything that is within me praise the Lord. But there's another translation that says, may every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. May, and I just pray that. May every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. That, that there's a part of me that needs detoxing so I can bring my soul into submission, that my soul would do what my spirit says, my body would come into alignment, and then every part of me would just be like praising God from the inside out, every part of me, every fiber of my being. Then I can stand, strip everything away till all I see is you. Strip it, remove the veils, strip everything away till all I see is you. It's called sanctification. Amen? Set apart for holy use. Wow. You mean there's, there's parts of me within here that God wants to set apart for holy use? You mean this stinking soul of mine that, you know, has got so many hidden things and so much toxic waste in there that God wants to set that apart for himself for holy use? That, that, God, wants to, that God wants to clean out and detoxify it and then pour himself into my being? So that every part of my being unites in holy reverence to his name. Yeah, that's what he wants to do. And then he wants to do it on a regular basis. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a journey too, and it's an exciting journey. You know, from glory to glory, with ever-increasing glory, we are changed into the image of God. When we behold him, we are transformed into his image. When we behold Him, we're transformed into His. How can we be transformed in our spirit? Our spirit's already there. It's the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit within us. Amen. Sanctification is the process by which the Holy Spirit makes us more like Christ in all we do, think, and desire. (laughs) I love that. And Pastor Phil wrote this on the blog, and I thought... Uh, on the on the on the web page, I mean, oh no, on the Facebook page, and I thought this was really really beautiful. What he said, he said, "What's chipping away at your soul? What habits or distractions keep you from being separated to God?" Matt Bromfield wrote that. Matt, 
And my version, I wrote a version, you wrote a version. And then this got posted and I went, who wrote that? That's fabulous. Matt, Matt, you're awesome. It says, okay, I'll read it again. This is Matt Bromfield's words here. Quote, what's... No, yours come third. What's chipping away at your soul? What habits or distractions keep you from being separated to God? What's getting in the way of you becoming the person God created you to be? Let's explore how we can neutralize damaging influences and embrace clean living in this four-week series. (laughs) Matt? In fact, in fact, I think I love watching people grow in this church, man. I was looking at Beck this morning. Is Beck here now? She, yeah, she is. Oh, man, I said to Beck this morning, you're tra- transforming Beck Lloyd before my eyes. Yeah. Every, every week I see you. I just saw Matt get up here and, like, give an announcement for his connect group, and I went like this and just said, Phil, he's a preacher. There's a preacher in there. There's, there's not just a street evangelist. There's a pulpit evangelist in there. Oh, I love it. Being transformed for holy use. I'm sure Matt has had many a day, both Matts, both Matts, where they've got before God and say, God, strip everything away till all I have is you. Remove the veils. So what do we need to know about the soul so we understand the soul? It's okay to say, well, there's this thing inside me. It's called the soul. Then you think it's like a cancer. We need to cut it out. Cut that cancer out of me. And it's a part of you. It's a part of your being. And we need to work out how to sanctify it, how we can allow the Holy Spirit to come and show us, how we can allow Jesus to come with his blood, with his mercy, and sanctify us through and through. So the soul is made up of three, three things. The soul is made up of these, and we'll go into this over this next four weeks in more detail. We're going to go deeper into this. So this is just an overview so you get an idea. So your soul is your mind, which, you know, that was incredible, all that stuff about the brain. and Oh, incredible. I'm just going to love that. I'm going to love teaching some of that. The mind, the will, and the emotions. The mind, the will, and the emotions. How many times in your life is your spirit saying, go this way, and your mind is saying, pizza? How many, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, all he has to say is, in the cafe tonight, we have like nachos or something like that. In the, you know, we, and then we go into worship and we go, nachos, nachos. I worship you, nachos. Because we're smelling it and we're tasting it. And, Our mind is going somewhere else. How many times have you said in your spirit, man, you know, you're in church, you come out on the altar, and and, in your spirit, man, and your spirit's there, and it's just so beautiful, and you're in the presence of God. You know, just realize that. Just realize that, people. You're not a hypocrite. I want to make this clear. You're not a hypocrite. When you stand and you worship God and you come on the altar and you're in your spirit and you're saying, I want to live for you, God. I repent of my sin. You're not a hypocrite when you go home and then you struggle because the old man inside you that's called the soul realm 
starts fighting with your spirit and you have this internal punch up inside of you and your soul, which is your mind, your will and your emotions, your will's going, well, we don't want to go that way. And your spirit's going, but we have to go this way. And, you, and your soul's going, no, no, just think about it. Think about what you're doing. You're going to have to give up the sex and the, and the partying and you're going to have to give up the drinking. Don't do it. Ah. And then your spirit's going, but I want to give up those things because I want God. And then there's this wrestle going on in the inside of you, which the Bible calls the wrestle of the flesh or the old man, the old man. You've got the new man, which is in Christ. You've got the old man inside of you grumbling. I always think, anybody watch Sesame Street? Was that too far back? Sesame Street's still on now, isn't it? Who knows, who knows Sesame Street and the, you know, the, in the theatre and the two old men up in... in, the, in you know, the, who? Oh, that's the Muppets. <laughs> it's been a long time since I had little kids. In the Muppets and the two old men grumbling up there. That's like what's happening inside of you. You know, you, you, you know it's saying, God, I want you, I want you. And you're in worship and you're crying, you know. And, and, then, you, and then you go home and you're out of that anointing. You're out of that corporate worship. You, and then you're face to face. And then, you, you, and then your soul's going, yeah, but I want sex. You know, I, I want to eat food. I want to eat the whole fridge. You know, it's like... Yeah, but you were just on the altar saying, God, oh, I'm going to stop eating. I'm going to lose this weight. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, no, eat the whole fridge. Eat it. Now, I'm starving. You know, and then, and then your will's going that way. Your mind starts to imagine, you know, a pizza or, or a sexy woman or whatever it is. And then your emotions start to kick in. And your emotions are going, oh, but he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Oh, I'll just have sex this time because he loves me. He told me he loved me. But your spirit's going, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, follow God. And, and you just got this whole war going on inside of you. And you're not a hypocrite. You're just a human being with the same war that we all have. You see? But within this, within all this war, there is a way out. <laughs> Praise Jesus. And over this next four weeks, we're going to teach you and help you and empower you to be victorious in this war over your own soul. How to say no to your soul. How to build your spirit man up and give it muscles that it can, that it can take out that soul and psh, give it fivefold ministry and tell it to just back off, hairy legs, because we're going this way. Amen? We're going we're gonna to help you with this because, you know, and this isn't just a one-night wonder. This isn't a one-sermon, you know, uh, hear a good sermon and get changed. This is something that, you know, needs to be layered in, layered in, layered in until you start to renew your mind, until your, your will is like that of Jesus, where you're in your own garden of Gethsemane, and you say, as, as Jesus did in Luke, not my will, but yours be done, God, no matter what it costs me, no matter what this costs me, no matter what I have to give up, no matter who says, no matter who mocks, no matter who understands, not my will, but yours be done. 
when your emotions start to fall in love with Jesus, when you emotionally start to feel a connection to Him. See, sanctifying our soul isn't about, okay, let's get back to rules and religion because He set us free from that. It's not like, oh, okay, my spirit's born again, but now I have to go into works for the old soul. It, you know, it's an act of love. And just as Evan said tonight, everything is worship. It's an act of worship. It's, it's, like, it's like when you stand before him, it's like, oh, my God, I don't want anything between us. When, when you're so in love, when you're so enamored with him, when you're just so passionate for him, it's like strip everything away. Just strip everything away to all that happens to you. And as you fall in love, as you realize that as you let your spirit man come to the surface and take some air and you're not living in condemnation because you know that everyone's in the same battle as you. And you let your spirit man, you say, the stronger I can get my spirit, the more victory I'm going to have over my soul. And the greater uh, my body, the, the greater revelation my body's going to have to go to where I want it to go, to do what I want it to do to act the way I wanted to act. See? It's not out of works, lest any man should boast. It's not out of rules and regulations. But it's out of a deep desire to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind mind and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Come down to love. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.